uh, call to repent uh, in the last or the beginning of chapter two. This great call which has gone out. And this section here is uh, the Lord's answer. And we move from this promise of, of God's judgment to come and the day of the Lord, which was upon the people. And now in this section, we move to this great promise of restoration, which then Joel takes up uh, and continues on through into chapter three. So let me read uh, God's word. This is Joel chapter two, verses 18 through to 27. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and the vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain the early and the latter rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Well, may the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word to us this morning. Well, many at this time in our nation's life look to the future without much hope. Some look to the future with false hope. But the gospel of Jesus Christ gives believers a solid hope, a solid hope in Christ, ultimately for the restoration of, of all things. And the prophets, as we, we look at the Old Testament and consider the book of Joel, the prophets as a whole speak of judgment to come, and yet they also speak of the restoration of all things through the Lord Jesus Christ. And our passage this morning helps us to think about that great restoration 
that God has promised and is bringing about for his people. So in the last section that we looked at, we saw how the Lord called his covenant people to return to him with all their hearts, to rend their hearts and not their garments, to turn to him in true repentance, in genuine repentance and faith. We saw how that is what the Lord desires of us, that we might turn to him in true repentance and faith. We saw how uh, severe judgments have been falling on God's people, these chastisements in the form of these uh, locust plagues, uh, genuine, uh, real locust plagues, but that they spoke metaphorically of, of worse to come ultimately the day of the Lord of falling on God's people, these signs of the promised day of the Lord. And in that context, the Lord was calling his people, stirring them up to repent, sending the prophet, sending the prophet Joel, gathering all the people together that they might call upon the name of the Lord in repentance. We saw that last week. Well, now we we learn that the people did pray, that they did call upon the Lord with genuine repentance. And so uh, in this morning's text, we come to, to God's answer. The Lord hears the prayer. So we see really three things in uh, the text before us today. We see the Lord who answers prayer. See that in just in verse 18. And then we see the Lord who promises to bless his people. And really that's the bulk of the text uh, this morning, that, that just as uh, the Lord has sent wave after wave of, of devastation, this locust plague, he is then promising wave after wave of blessing. Uh, verse 19, grain, wine, and oil. Verse 20, the removal of this army, this locust army, and then uh, the vats overflowing with wine and restoring the years the locusts have eaten. Um, so this promise of, of blessing and restoration But then in the midst of it, we have the Lord's call that his people might rejoice in hope. Not all things have been restored to them yet. The land is still parched and so on. And yet the Lord has promised to be with them, to be in their midst. And they even now are to rejoice in the hope of all the blessings that are to come. And so first off, we just see this first verse, how the Lord, um, he answers their prayer. Verse 18, do you see that? Verse 18, then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. Then verse 19, the Lord answered. So the Lord here, the Lord had stirred them up to pray, sent a messenger that they might repent and turn to him. And he causes them, as it were, to to pray and call upon his name. Uh, And then he has pity upon them and answers their prayer. And remember how Israel, God's covenant people, were the Lord's treasured possession. He'd redeemed them out of Egypt. They were those to whom he'd made precious promises. He set his love upon them. They were his elect people. He'd taken special care over them so he is rightly protective over his people he brought all these severe judgments upon them 
But that was, as we were thinking about last week, that was not a sign that he did not love them or that he was flip-flopping between two opinions about his people. He has set his love upon his people. And so here he has this great pity upon his people. He is jealous for them. We often think of jealousy as a sort of a, a negative uh, emotion. If you're, if you're jealous about uh, of someone else's belongings or, or something else... But it, it, jealousy here is a right response of God's protect, protection over his own people. And it can, with us, it can be a right response if, if you have a beloved child that is in danger of being harmed. You're, you're protect, you could be thought to be jealous over your child or, or jealous over a, a beloved wife. And so here is the Lord, jealous over his people, fierce in his love for them, wanting to protect his people. And here it's interesting, he says he's jealous for the lands. The lands and the people have this intimate connection and he sees this land blasted and, and troubled and, and sad and sorrowful and he is moved with pity for his land. And so then we have the Lord's answer. He said, Behold, I'm sending you grain, wine, oil. You'll be satisfied, and I'll no more make you a reproach. And these things, grain, wine, and oil, these are assigned tokens of blessing, tokens of the harmony between Yahweh, between the Lord and his people. So he's, the Lord is he's, he's promising to restore these covenant blessings. And this takes us back to uh, the book of Deuteronomy where uh, God had promised uh, that if his people obeyed him, that they would receive blessings. So Deuteronomy 11, uh, from 13 onwards, um, the Lord says to his people that if you'll indeed obey my commandments, he will give you the rain for your land in its season, early rain, latter rain, that you may gather your grain, wine, and your oil. He'll give grass, to your fields, uh, grass in your fields for your livestock. He also says, take care if, if your heart is deceived and you turn aside from the Lord to worship other gods, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. He will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the earth will yield no fruit and you'll perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. So do you see here uh, the fact that grain, wine and oil are restored uh, in the context of, of Deuteronomy and the Old Covenant, this is a sign that God's blessings are fully restored, that the relationship between the Lord and his people there have been fully restored. So that, that is what, what God is praying for, just the restoration of all these blessings that he has, has removed from them. And part of that blessing, verse 20, is the removal of this locust army. So verse 20, I will remove the northerner far from you. So it seems that the locust plague may have come in, this cloud from the north, and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his uh, vanguard, so the, the sort of front of the locust army, into the eastern sea, that is the, the Dead Sea, his rear guard, the back of this locust thing, into the kind of dumped into the western sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and then the stench and foul, foul smell of him will rise, rotting locusts, for he has done great things. Uh, this terrible locust 
army decaying and just swept away, removed from the land, just like the locusts were removed from the land of Egypt. So here we see the Lord, who is sovereign over the whole of creation, removing then this locust plague. But as we've seen, as we were thinking about locusts a few weeks ago, this, this locust army or this locust horde in the Bible frequently is used um, as a metaphor for a, a real army, a genuine army. And actually some of this language here seems to pick up on, on those sorts of connections. So, um, so when I think Joel speaks of the Lord's power to remove this locust army, his army, we're meant also to gather that the Lord has power to remove and deal with any human army or human host. And indeed, um, Israel's enemies, whether that was Assyria or Babylon, they would frequently be depicted or, or told that they came from the north. They came from the Mesopotamia. They came around from the north and invaded Israel from the north. So Jeremiah 4, 6 to 7, uh, um, the Lord says, Raise a standard towards Zion. Flee for safety. Stay not, for I bring disaster from the north, a great destruction. So the sort of, for, for Israel, the apocalyptic invading armies would come from the north, um, much like the sort of grim host of Mordor coming, coming out on the people. But the Lord is sovereign. He is the one who raises up armies, and he is the one who is sovereign to remove them. He is sovereign over the Assyrian army, sovereign over the Babylonian army, sovereign over every threat. The Lord is the creator of all things. He has sovereign control, not only over locusts, but over powers, over kingdoms, over rules, every dominion and power, and which is a comfort to us as we sort of dare to open our, our newspapers and feel rather nervous at the state of the world. It's good for us to remember the Lord's sovereign control over all things, that the Lord indeed reigns. And we see that here just in his sovereign control over history here, over the locust army, but over everything which threatens um, his people. And so um, the Lord's going to drive away this locust army and restore blessing to his people. Verse 21, there's this call to rejoice and call for them to fear not because of this coming restoration. Verse 21, fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Verse 20, uh, we saw it was this locust army that had done great things, worked great uh, devastation. But ultimately, that was in Lord's, the Lord's hand. It is the Lord who does great things. He acts in human history. It is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth who works wonders upon the earth. And so um, the people of God are to, to fear not, they're to be glad. Um, and even the beasts of the fields here, who remember the beasts had mourned and groaned and, uh, because the, the pastures were uh, all dry to a crisp. Well, now the pastures are going to be renewed. They will be green and the tree will bear its fruit, the fig tree and the vine giving their full yield. 
So here is a picture that the, the land will be completely restored. The earth, the, the, the land of Israel, completely restored. Remember, it had been, it had been like the, the, the land of Eden, which had been turned to a desert before the devastating locust. But now, restoration is coming. A full yield, an abundant crop. And so God's people called to rejoice, to be glad, verse 23. O children of Zion, rejoice. In the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He's poured down abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The early rains came in in that, in that nation in October, November, to give the land a, a good soaking uh, for the sort of planting season. The latter rains were the spring rains needed to swell the grain. And both early and latter rains, vital for uh, a harvest. So the Lord promising these things. Um, and in that nation, when the land parched to a crystal, the promise of rain, if you live in England, is, is perhaps uh, sort of something that we may not rejoice in too much. Although perhaps over this summer, we did sort of begin to think it would be quite nice to have some rain. But it, in this context, the promise of rain falling meant life. It meant survival. It meant uh, rich blessing. And so God promised that rain was on the way. After the drought would come the blessing of God. And all these things are a sign that harmony exists between the creator and his people. He's given the early rain for your vindication, for their, for their righteousness. So rain then, a sign of of God's blessing. And this promise of abundant blessing developed, verse 24, 25, the threshing floors shall be full of grain, just heaped up, and the vats overflowing with wine and oil. And verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the swarming locusts, the hopper, the destroyer. The Lord will restore the years that the locust has eaten. The Lord was going to pay it all back to make good, to restore, to repay. Um, God did not owe them anything, but out of his rich love and mercy, he was going to pour out blessing upon the people. And all these blessings were a sign that the Lord was amongst them. Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who's dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. And verse 27, you shall know I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There's no one else. My people shall never again be put to shame. So this is all the, the promise of God's restoration that he will be in the midst of his people, that he will restore Blessing upon blessing to his people. And Joel, as we move on from here, continues this theme of blessing, of days coming when the, the, the mountains will drip with wine in chapter 3 and he will, uh, the hills flowing down with, uh, with wine. This great promise of restoration. And so that, that's the, the, the passage that we have. We have the Lord answering their prayer as they cry out to him. Uh, the Lord promising blessing and calling his people to rejoice in the hope 
of that blessing to come. And so the prophets, as we look at them, Joel and Isaiah and the other prophets, they look forwards to the great restoration. They look forward to the judgment, but also the restoration that God uh, will bring for his people. And ultimately, we see that God brings about this uh, both judgment and restoration through Jesus Christ, through his son whom he sent into the world. And so um, Christ, he, he dies, he's, he's risen again from the dead, he ascends to heaven, he pours out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and, and next week in the passage we, we'll look at that, that passage in Joel, which talks about the Spirit being poured out as part of the promised restoration of God's people. And, and Peter and the, the apostles, as they're preaching, as they're teaching of the meaning of Christ and his death and resurrection, ascension, what's happening, they look back to the prophets. So uh, in Acts um, chapter 3, verse uh, 19 to, to 21, this is one of, one of Peter's sermons as he speaks to Israel gathered before him on, on those, these early days of the church. He says to the people there, um, repent therefore and turn back. It's very like the, the book of Joel, isn't it? Return to the Lord, rend your hearts and not your garments. And we think of, of that early church and how they were, were cut to the heart as the spirit of God worked in their hearts and caused them to return to the Lord with all their hearts. So Peter calls out, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Think of the spirit coming down like refresh, like the early rain, like refreshing rain on a parched land. And that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for the restoring of all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So uh, Peter there looks back to this, the prophets, what they'd spoken about, to the promised restoration of all things. And so as Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost and as the apostles preach, they, they would speak of the, the Christ who God sent into the world for his, his death for sin, for his resurrection, for the, for the restoration of all things, for the pouring out of the Spirit. But then they would look forwards to that ultimate restoration of all things that is yet to come. So we see this, this restoration of all things, of the whole of creation, happens in stages. It has already begun in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is at work, as God is at work in the world now through the preaching of the gospel. And we look forwards, ultimately, to the restoration of all things with the return of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so we, th we see these things uh, in, the, um, in the ministry of Christ. We see how he was the one uh, who came to, to bear the curse for our sins. How Christ died upon the cross, how he bore the curses of the covenant upon himself. How he, he had a, a crown of thorns on his head. This sign that he was, he's bearing the curse of God. Uh, bearing this creation, just 
gone wrong and being under God's curse. All of that was born by Christ as he died upon the cross to bear the punishment for our sins. We see in Christ how he promises to restore all things. We see that in things like the the miracle where he turns water into wine. It's not just a, a random miracle. It is a sign that here is the king who has come to restore blessing to the whole of his creation, to make that the mountains drip with wine. This is sort of the Old Testament language for the restoration of all things. Uh, Christ has begun all of this, and this is what is, is held out in the preaching of the apostles and the preaching of the gospel as the church now is charged to go out into all the world and preach Christ. But to preach that he is the one who's come to bear the punishment for sin, that he is the one who's risen from the dead, that he is the one who calls uh, people everywhere to repent in view of the great day of the Lord which is to come, and that he is the one who will restore blessing to the entire creation. And so uh, what is the response of the, the church? Well, it is to rejoice. It is joy, as the Christmas hymn says it, joy to the world. The Lord is here. Let earth uh, receive its king. Um, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Christ comes to restore blessing and to bring blessing. So if you've turned to Christ, if you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can know that your sins are forgiven that you have been forgiven, that he's, he's poured out the spirit, that you can be washed, set right, that your relationship with God can be completely restored. But you can know this promise for you of the restoration of all things, of all the things that have been robbed of you by the fall. You may look at your life and think, well, There's a lot of locusts. The locusts have done a good job of eating up joy and happiness. There have been hopping locusts and cutting locusts and swarming locusts. There's just a lot of locusts. Joy has been removed. There's been sorrow and sighing. Well, his promise for you is that he will repay the years that the locusts have eaten. He will repay it. He will restore it. He will make good. Why? Because you deserve it? No. Out of his great mercy. Because Christ died for your sins. Because he rose again to purchase blessing for you. He came to restore joy and blessing and happiness for, for you and for, for, the, for, for his creation. And so we are those who rejoice in hope. If you are in Christ, you are called to rejoice in hope. We look around the world now and we experience much sorrow and suffering and sighing and grief. And yet, through Christ, we are called to rejoice in hope. Romans 5, uh, the Apostle Paul says this. Therefore, since... 
we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 8, Paul writes this. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Well, that is what the, the prophets in the Old Testament, Joel and Isaiah and the prophets, they are looking forward to this thing, to the restoration of all things through Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have a very reduced gospel. We reduce what the Lord Jesus is doing to, to the forgiveness of sins in heaven when we die. Well, it, it is that, but Christ has come to bring the restoration of all things for his people, for those who trust in him. So if you are not in Christ, if you are not a believer in Christ, if you've not turned to him, um, if you've not repented of your sins, can I urge you this morning in the name of Christ to return to the Lord, to turn to the Lord with all your heart to receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit as you receive Christ. And can I urge you, if you've done that, if you've, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, if you are in Christ, to rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God and know that he will repay the years that the locusts have eaten. Well, amen. Well, let me pray.